it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Man, I'm so excited. I got a big announcement for you. Big announcement. I'm so excited to tell you that tomorrow. Brian Kilmeade is going to be back behind this microphone. So one more day, and BK is going to be back from his extended vacation, a vacation well-earned, well-deserved. And uh, knowing Brian as I do, he is itching to get back behind this microphone. But believe me, uh, when when you work as hard as Brian Kilmeade does, you do need some time to decompress and to take some time off and to get away from the news and get away from the world. Uh, and that's exactly what Brian has been doing here in the last week and a half. So I'm excited for Brian, uh, both having had his vacation and having some good time off. Uh, but I'm also very excited uh, uh, to have him back uh, hosting the Brian Kilmeade Show because I, comma, like you, comma, like Brian Kilmeade. So I love to listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, and I'm excited to have him back. My name is Joe Kelly. Uh, it's at Talk Radio Joe online. I uh, broadcast here in the Florida Freedom Zone at Brian's Orlando uh, a flagship radio station, which is WDBO. I'm the host of the Joe Kelly Show, which is weekday afternoons from 5 till 7 p.m. You're, you can stream that from our website at uh, WDBO.com. Uh, we've got a lot a lot to unpack here this hour. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Uh, with uh, with Colonel uh, Lieutenant Colonel West, we're going to talk about uh, the Devin Archer testimony yesterday. Uh, but first, I want to start the show, the Brian Kilmeade show here, with uh, a visitor that we're going to have here in Orlando today. Uh, the Vice President Kamala Harris is going to be in Orlando today. Uh, Orlando, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I-4, if you're familiar with Florida at all, I-4 uh, starts basically in the heart of, of Tampa on the Gulf Coast side of our peninsula. And then it runs all the way towards the east to Orlando and then ultimately out towards Daytona Beach. We call it the I-4 corridor. Uh, and the I-4 corridor has, has been a very, very important voting uh, block for any presidential candidate. Uh, it has long been thought and said uh, that if you can't win the I-4 corridor, you're not going to win Florida. Uh, so this is a very important area. In fact, Kamala Harris, the vice president, was in Jacksonville just a couple of weeks ago. She's back now, this time in Orlando. And uh, she's going to be speaking to a, a women's religious group today uh, with the uh, the AME Church. And that'll be uh, in Orlando today. Now, this as uh, she, Kamala Harris, continues to rail on... Uh, how we here in Florida are teaching uh, African-American history and the history of the enslaved, of slavery. Uh, Kamala Harris uh, sat down for an interview with ABC. It's worth noting, by the way, that ABC News spent less than 30 seconds on the Biden scandals during the Kamala Harris interview. Less than 30 seconds talking about Biden and his scandals uh, and instead continued what really is, and, and this is not hyperbole, I don't say this, uh, you know, unless it has genuine meaning, but she's going to continue the lie 
about the slavery history, the African-American history that is being taught in Florida. That is the lie that she continued on ABC. It's the lie she's going to continue in Orlando today. Uh, Cut 16, Kamala Harris on ABC. I don't think that this is subject to any ideological um, debate to say that people who were enslaved did not benefit from slavery, period. And and I'll say this also, because it it almost seems ridiculous to have to say what I just said, (laughs) that enslaved people do not benefit from slavery. There are so-called leaders, extremists, who are attempting to, to require in our nation an unnecessary debate with the intention, I believe, to try and divide us as Americans. Stop. Stop. I like how she says it almost seems ridiculous, I have to say, what I just said. Yes, it does actually seem ridiculous, uh, Vice President, that you just said what you said uh, because the the concept that slaves benefited from slavery uh, is uh, is not just something that was made up by white Americans. Uh, Bert, a- African-American historians have, have said similar things. In fact, it was an African-American historian who helped write the curriculum for the state of Florida. The vice president says it's it almost seems ridiculous to have to say what I just said. It is ridiculous to say what you just said because you have taken one single line, one single sentence out of the entire African-American and slavery history studies and focused on one single sentence. You have skipped everything else. And when I first heard about this, the, I mean, the, the first headlines I saw, the, the first words I heard were that Florida is going to teach that slavery benefited slaves. And at just hearing that without context, my initial gut reaction, my visceral reaction was, Well, that sounds stupid. That sounds ridiculous. If we're going to be teaching just that slavery was good, that it it helped slaves somehow, some way. But then I say, unlike Kamala Harris, I don't jump to conclusions. I don't jump in before I have the whole story. And I I broke it down with you yesterday, and I'm not going to waste all your time again today uh, sharing with you the rest of the uh, African-American studies here in Florida. But suffice to say that out of 191 uh, different references to slaves, slavery, and the enslaved, only one sentence, only one line mentions that there were some skill sets that African Americans, that that the enslaved, uh, were able to learn and were able to parlay them into something beyond Slavery after after slavery was abolished, there were skill sets that were taught. Is that is that the biggest takeaway from slavery? Of course not. Absolutely not. Nor is it the biggest takeaway from the curriculum uh, of slavery in the state of Florida. It's just Kamala Harris blowing out of proportion a single line and thus telling a lie about what's really in Uh, Our curriculum here in the state of Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, has addressed this presidential candidate. Ron DeSantis has addressed this multiple times with Kamala Harris. Cut 18. You can't bend the knee to the left's lies. When the left lies and creates these phony narratives, you've got to push back. They've been doing this to Republicans for years and years. Republicans bend the knee and it's just one thing after another. Second, 
we this goes into the whole fight on indoctrination in schools. We eliminated critical race theory a couple years ago. When we did that, the media lied and the left lied, saying you don't want to teach about African American history, equating political activism and CRT with black history. He said, no, not only do in the bill, it says you've got to do all these things, teach about injustice, teach about discrimination. So these standards were born out of the fight against CRT because this is true history. That is Governor Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, Governor DeSantis has now invited our Vice President Harris to discuss the black history standards. Uh, He has written an open letter, issued a letter to the Vice President, uh, inviting her to discuss her criticisms of the state's new African-American history education standards. Uh, she, um, Harris spoke about this in Jacksonville. She said this is just pure propaganda. Uh, state leaders are pushing back, though, pointing out that the standards in Florida's curriculum match those of the college boards, which reads, in addition to agricultural work, enslaved people learned specialized trades and worked as painters, carpenters, tailors, musicians, and healers in the North and South Once free, uh, African-Americans use these skills to provide for themselves and for others. That is directly from the College Board AP Advanced Placement African-American Studies Framework. So this is not something that is new. Uh, This is not something that hasn't been discussed in uh, the the history of the enslaved uh, in America. This is something that has been around for a long time, and it is a footnote. It It is a tiny note in the totality of curriculum in the state of Florida. I'm going to get your take on this. You can call me right now here on The Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. That's 866-408-7669. Your thoughts here on Kamala Harris uh, just flat-out lying uh, about African-American history in the state of Florida. Uh, Our governor wrote as part of his open letter to Kamala Harris over the past several weeks, the Biden administration has repeatedly disparaged our state and misinformed Americans about our education system. Our state pushed forward nation-leading, standalone African-American history standards, one of the only states in the nation to require this level of learning about such an important subject. And I'm telling you, and as again, as I shared with you yesterday, uh, but there was an absolutely fantastic piece in the National Review written by Charles C.W. Cook, Uh, If you want to see the full totality of what is in the African-American studies history here in the state of Florida, uh, just simply look that up. Kamala Harris, the headline reads, Kamala Harris is brazenly lying about Florida's slavery curriculum. Look up that headline on National Review and you're going to see the totality. All of it, all of that is that is going to be taught uh, in the state of Florida when it comes to African-Americans and slavery and so much more. Uh, the instructions include a variety of locations where slave works, slaves work to evaluate the abolitionist movement. I mean, it goes on. There's literally almost 200 bullets here for what is being taught here in the state of Florida, uh, even though Kamala Harris uh, is focusing on one single line. And, you know, the governor, uh, Governor DeSantis, could easily have that line taken out, uh, but why would he do that? What would be what would be the purpose of that? Why would we have to give in to Kamala Harris, who is blatantly lying about what is in our curriculum? Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. That's eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'm Joe Kelly, filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. Let's uh, jump to the phones here. Tom is checking in. 
Oh, sorry about that. We'll check in with Tom coming up in just a second, so hang on for that. Uh, my name is Joe Kelly, filling in for Brian Kilmeade. You'll get more details when you go to briankilmeadeshow.com. The DeSantis letter uh, invited Harris to come to Tallahassee to speak with Dr. William Allen. He is a former member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and he worked on Florida's African-American history curriculum. Um, Kamala Harris makes it sound as if that this was something that DeSantis himself created, that that Ron DeSantis on his own said, hey, slavery was good. Slaves benefited from this. Well, that's that is uh, that's not the case. As Dr. William Allen, again, a former member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, he worked on Florida's African-American history curriculum, and she uh, has been invited now to even bring her own expert who shares her viewpoints to talk about the curriculum. The governor says, I'm prepared to meet as early as Wednesday of this week. That's tomorrow. But, of course, want to be deferential to your (laughs) – reads – This again from Governor DeSantis to Kamala Harris. I'm prepared to meet as early as Wednesday of this week, but of course want to be deferential to your busy schedule should you already have a trip to the southern border planned for that day. Please let me know as soon as possible when an example we could set for the nation, a serious conversation on the subject of an important issue. I hope you're feeling up to it. That from Governor Ron DeSantis to Kamala Harris. I like the uh, the dig. At the uh, southern border and deferring to her uh, to her busy schedule with a, perhaps a trip to the southern border, a trip she has not and evidently will not be uh, be, be making. All right. Join us now at 866-408-7669. That's uh, 1-866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmeade. We'll continue straight ahead. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, permit me to have Frederick Douglass tell her. He wrote an autobiography in which he described how the mistress of his slave owner began to teach him to read. She pulled back the curtain through which a glimmer of light shone before the master forced her to close it. But that glimmer of light was enough for Frederick Douglass to illumine a bright flame that he exploited to his benefit and his country's benefit thereafter. Such examples are numerous, and they are retailed in the stories of people who suffered the indignity of slavery time and again. And quickly, permit me to say, what this curriculum is about is having people who live the experience, who live the history, tell their stories. That is that is Dr. William Allen. That is the man that I referenced in the last segment that uh, that was part of 
the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and he worked on Florida's African-American history curriculum. That is the, the it wasn't Ron DeSantis who wrote the African-American curriculum for the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis had a had a commission uh, that put it together for him and for the state of Florida, for Florida's uh, students. And Kamala Harris picked one single line out of the totality of the curriculum and has blown it completely out of proportion. Uh, But this is the same Kamala Harris who on ABC, uh, and and you've got to hear this, uh, and frankly, shame on ABC for how they asked this question. Uh, But listen to Kamala Harris as she is asked about how she's doing in the polls. Cut 17. There are reports that say that you have the lowest approval rating of any vice president. I'm curious how much of a role, if any, that you feel race and gender play in that? Well, there are polls that also say I have great approval ratings. I think the point that has to be made is that there are attempts to create distractions away from the accomplishments of our administration. Breathtaking that they ask if your low poll numbers are because you're black and a woman, if you feel race and gender uh, play into that. Shame on them for asking that question. Why don't you ask if her poll numbers are low because she's not done anything significant uh, in her role as vice president? If she was tasked with uh, m- you know, multiple different issues, the, the biggest of which, of course, is securing the southern border, and uh, that certainly has not happened uh, and is not even in progress at this point. Uh, we, I, I've got a New York Times headline this morning that is going to absolutely blow your mind. The New York Times has suddenly discovered something that the rest of us have have known for quite some time. Listen to this lead sentence in a New York Times piece under the headline. Biden spoke with Hunter Biden's associates repeatedly. Devin Archer that according to Devin Archer. Listen to this first sentence here in the New York Times piece. It reads and I quote. It has long been known that the elder Mr. Biden at times interacted with his son's business partners. Uh, What? It has long been known that the elder Mr. Biden at times interacted with his son's business partners says who Joe Biden has said the opposite. And he's said it a lot. That super cut here. How many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Did Hunter Biden commit a crime? Have you spoken to your son, Mr. President-elect? I'm confident. You still think that the stories from the fall about your son Hunter Yes, yes, yes. God love you, man. You're a one horse pony. That is uh, that is our president denying ever having spoken with Hunter Biden's business partners. But the New York Times just nonchalantly drops the line that it's long been known that Joe Biden has interacted with his son's business partners. Yeah, we'll see. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think it is safe to say that after yet another two hours, 
there still is no connection of any of Hunter Biden's business dealings with President Biden. Um, the witness uh, indicated that uh, Hunter spoke to his father every day and um, approximately 20 times over the course of 10-year relationship, um, Hunter may have put his father uh, on the, the phone with any number of different people, and they never once spoke about any business dealings. That is uh, Congressman Dan Goldman uh, from New York, a Democrat from New York, uh, following the testimony yesterday of Devin Archer. Joining us now here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with uh, me, Joe Kelly, is retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Colonel West, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm so glad you're able to join me. Absolutely. It's good to be with you, Joe. Thanks. Now, we, uh, the, the Devin Archer hearing yesterday, and I don't, I don't know if you caught the headline from the, uh, the New York Times today, uh, but the, the headline reads that uh, it has long been known that Joe Biden, the elder Biden, uh, had numerous conversations with uh, people that Hunter Biden was doing business with. That's the New York <laughs> Times saying that. That's a bit of a shock uh, coming out of the New York Times today. Yeah, you know, and I think about what Representative Goldman was saying. How delusional can you be? And I don't know why a freshman member of Congress would come out and make such statements because, I mean, he really did indict the president. And for the New York Times to now come out and say, well, basically Joe Biden has been lying all this time, uh, that we all knew that he was having these conversations. But, you know, when you think about these conversations, and, of course, it was not about weather or things of this nature, you can start to connect dots. You can start looking at all of these different uh, LLC shell companies. You can start looking at the dinner that he sat down and had with the female Russian oligarch uh, and the $3.5 million that exchanged hands, and the next thing you know, she's not on a sanctions list. You can look and see what happened with the uh, the uh, investigator that was looking into Burisma, who all of a sudden, uh, he gets uh, off the, the case, and it's, they get rid of him uh, because they they were withholding aid to, to Ukraine. And Joe Biden joked about that in between the time being vice president and president. So the case is very strong against him, much more so than making a phone call or, you know, basing an impeachment upon a Russian hoax that was cooked up by Adam Schiff. So I think that the left is trying to show bravado, but uh, behind closed doors, they're, they're shaking like a leaf on a tree. We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, retired uh, uh, the American Constitutional Rights Union executive director, former congressman here in the state of Florida. And now he's a Texan, author of the book, Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. Uh, I love I love talking to Colonel West because you represent both Texas and Florida. I was raised in Texas and live in Florida. So uh, two of my absolute favorite states uh, and evidently favorite states for a whole lot of people, as uh, as you and I are both on the receiving end of a lot of people uh, trying to get to our states. We must be doing something right. Yeah, we, they are. Uh, sadly, Gavin Newsom doesn't think so. I mean, the billboards that he was running in Florida telling people to move to California when we have all these U-Haul vans and uh, bump uh, license plates from California here in Texas. So they have lost two congressional districts, if I'm correct. They're losing population, uh, bleeding uh, profusely. Uh, and so I think that, yes, these red states that you have are very successful with the right type of economic policies. But the concerns 
I have, Joe, is that we still have leftist control of the major urban population centers. And so out here in Texas, you've got the leftist control of Dallas, down in Austin, and the surrounding county, uh, Dallas County, Travis County, Houston, Harris County, uh, San Antonio, Bear County. And what's even troubling out here in Texas is that we have these counties with George Soros-backed district attorneys, definitely here in the state of Texas where I live in Dallas County. So we have to be careful about allowing people to come in and run for these, uh, you know, positions such as city council, school board, county commission, uh, county district attorneys, because they're taking over the major urban population centers. And, and again, I give you a great example. Robert Francis O'Rourke got 63% of the vote in Dallas County last year in the gubernatorial election. Wow. Yeah. I'm also known as a Beta O'Rourke uh, for those that didn't perhaps yeah. recognize the name, but we know exactly who uh, you are talking about. We're talking to retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And, and to accentuate your point, by the way, last year, my daughter went off to school to UT, not your UT, the other UT. Nope, not that one. The yeah. other UT. She, <laughs> she's, she's going to Tennessee at Knoxville. And we, we had to rent a U-Haul to, to get some of her stuff to school for her freshman year. And U-Haul yeah. was willing to pay us an extraordinary amount of money to move extra equipment out of the state of Florida because it keeps showing up here and and nobody yeah. is moving out. Yeah, look, uh, I hate to tell you, I'm a 1983 graduate of the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, I'm a Vol for life, and, and I love my volunteers. I'll be up there this uh, fall for a football game against Texas A&M. So uh, congratulations to your daughter being up there on Rocky Top. And, and you're right. When you look at even a state like Tennessee, you have a lot of people that are moving down into that state, North Carolina and South Carolina. So people are fleeing. They're, you know, you know, basing things about their movement upon their wallet and the economics thereof. And they're fleeing out of places like New York and and Illinois also. And think about what just came out where Governor Pritzker in Illinois, first of all, he wants to give illegals driver's licenses, which means that they'll end up voting. And now he wants illegals to be able to be law enforcement officers. So how how crazy is that you want people that aren't even citizens that are here illegally to have jurisdiction over legal citizens in this country and in the state of uh, Illinois especially. So people are fleeing these crazy states, and, and there's a reason why. Can you even imagine uh, getting arrested as an American citizen, getting arrested by someone who's not an American citizen? I mean, that is mind-boggling. That's a lawsuit. I mean, that, that's a walking lawsuit uh, to me uh, because I would look at a person and I would just plainly ask, are you a citizen? If I'm in Illinois, I would ask, are you a citizen? And furthermore, how do you do a background check on someone who wants to be a law enforcement officer if they're not a citizen of this country? So it, it, it again shows the delusion, the deranged nature, the dangerous nature of the progressive socialist left and how they're doing everything possible to undermine law, order, and discipline in the United States of America. Here in the state of Florida, a lot of us have had high hopes for uh, Ron DeSantis' presidential dreams. Uh, but boy, they, the term failure to launch really seems to be applicable uh, with Ron DeSantis. What is he doing wrong? You know, I, I just don't understand from the, the launch that he had over, you know, Twitter. I, I didn't get that, and I think that 
the uh, the difficulty with people to be able to to watch that that just caused the demise. And uh, I, I don't know if he has had the right focus out there uh, on a national stage. There's no doubt about it that he has done incredibly, incredibly well there in the state of Florida. But you're talking about taking it to another level. And, and I don't know if his persona uh, can do that. I don't know if he is able to articulate the issues very well. And, and he doesn't seem very comfortable in doing it. He doesn't seem very natural. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens later on this month in that first uh, presidential debate and whether or not he can, uh, you know, get higher than this, what, 15 to 20 percent that he is operating with right now. And DeSantis, for his part, is still calling on uh, uh, Donald Trump to participate in the first debate. What are your thoughts on on the uh, what Donald Trump says, at least, that he's not going to participate in the first debate? Well, one of the things, Joe, you know, being a, a graduate of the University of Tennessee and SEC college football, we love SEC college football. And sometime later this month, the uh, the preseason rankings will come out, and someone will be preseason ranked number one, and it'll probably be Georgia. But that does not mean that Georgia does not have to play football games. They they can just go to the championship at the end of the season. So I think it's very important that even though Donald Trump has this huge lead, that he gets out there on the stage and he shows why he has that huge lead. And I think it also is good to keep you sharp with your debating skills instead of sitting back saying, I'm just going to vet people to be my vice president. We, we don't really like this coronation type of thing. You have to earn it. And so you may be preseason ranked number one right now, uh, President Trump, but you got to get out there and take the field. He, he is, though, uh, preseason ranked number one by a long shot, uh, is it surprising to you how well Donald Trump is doing in the polling? No, it's not. And I think that is also the something that you can blame the left on. Uh, they're making him popular. The more they talk about him, the more they make him the center of attention. But then, of course, we see the two-tiered system of justice. And really, people are seeing him and his candidacy as a way to stick it back to the progressive socialist left. But again, you still have to earn that. And I think that, you know, the president needs to be on that debate stage and show that he has grown in, in, uh, in this thing of being a national leader, and he continues to improve every day, and we want to see him improve uh, on the debate stage. And if you are number one, uh, you take the field and you crush your opposition. And so you validate what the polls are saying by taking the field and, in this case, taking the debate stage. We are talking to retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. We're going to continue coming up in a moment. You can join us at 866 7669. Uh, when we continue, um, we're going to talk about uh, President Biden's deteriorating cognitive skills, his advancing age, uh, and what, if anything, can be done about that. We'll get into that coming up next. Stay with us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. There's only one advantage of getting older. You've had a lot of experience, and, uh, and you can apply a little bit of wisdom. It's really critical. Yeah. And by the way, there's a selfish aspect to it. Because when you have a problem with someone you love or some problem you, 
you know, you got to deal with it. Yeah. And you can't even perform as well. Exactly yeah. right. Joe Biden on the Jay Shetty podcast on his age and, and getting older, uh, saying that he's got a, a lot of experience and can apply uh, his his wisdom. It's really critical. Uh, joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show is retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, author of the book Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. Uh, and we can overcome an American black conservative manifesto. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel West, once again, thank you for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. By the way, programming note, Brian is going to be back here tomorrow. So I know you guys have been anxiously waiting for Brian's return, as have I, as have our WDBO listeners here in Orlando. We're looking forward to Brian getting back, and that will be tomorrow. I can tell you that he's already been contacting the team. He has a very difficult time separating from that which he loves, which is being on the radio and being on TV. So uh, I'm excited to have Brian back tomorrow. Uh, I want to return to our conversation here with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West and uh, Colonel West there. You heard Joe Biden talking about his his age. And I and I mean this in all seriousness. I I feel sorry for Joe Biden. I feel like he's being played. He's being abused. You know, here in Florida, as you well know, uh, we've got our fair share of senior citizens and retirees. Mm -hmm. And and we here in the state of Florida are very, very mindful of elder abuse. And we see stories of elder abuse in the news every day. And I can't help but to think that Joe Biden is in part a victim of elder abuse, that that people behind the scenes are pulling the strings and they're manipulating him to their own uh, goals. No, you're absolutely right, and I think there are a lot of people that would agree with that. And, you know, you have the 25th Amendment that's out there, and how funny it was how the leftists were all cackling about the 25th Amendment when it came to Trump, that he was unfit, uh, he was not mentally uh, able to, to do the job and, and things of this nature. But you have someone that is really slipping not just figuratively, but literally. I mean, you think about him at the Air Force Academy graduation when he fell on the stage, the times falling, going up the steps for Air Force One. So now they're uh, having him exit the aircraft now from a, a lower uh, uh, landing uh, apparatus. Uh, and when you talk about wisdom and experience, I mean, the things that he just said, never forget that Robert Gates, the former uh, Secretary of Defense, said that here's a man that has been wrong on every foreign policy mm. decision that he has ever made. So there is no wisdom and experience there with, with Joe Biden. Joe Biden was there to get Donald Trump out of office. Now he has become a liability. Uh, people don't believe in this whole Bidenomics thing. And now with the revelations that that's going on as far as dealings with his son, Hunter. I think that is going to cause him even more trepidation. I don't think he gets to be the nominee for the Democrat Party uh, for next year. You don't? You, th you, you think someone is going to be in that seat? Well, absolutely. I, I think that right now the, the left is, you know, kind of like in baseball, someone's looking to the bullpen, see who they can pull out there. Uh, and, of course, the, the the person that has been getting the most play and, and being most marketed is Gavin Newsom because you really don't have anyone else. Gretchen Whitmer can't do it. Uh, Pritzker there in uh, in Illinois can't do it. Uh, the uh, governor there, Hochul, in New York, she certainly can't do it. So they're at a loss. 
for anyone to step in other than Newsom. And what are you going to run on with Gavin Newsom? You know, make uh, America California. <laughs> so they're really in a uh, in a sticky wicket, as as one would say. You know, I know that saving face is important for a lot of politicians, and uh, you know, I'm sure that Biden and Kamala Harris uh, would love to be able to save face if they're not going to be on the ticket moving forward. I mean, how, how do they pull that off uh, and save face at the same time? How do they pull that off and not make it look like they're they're dissing, if you will, an African American woman? That is the tough thing for them, uh, because remember what saved Joe Biden was uh, uh, down in South Carolina and uh, the congressman down there who was the, uh, you know, uh, former whip who uh, Colburn, Clyburn, James Clyburn, who was able to get the black uh, community to come out and vote for Joe Biden in the South Carolina primary. And that, you know, got him back on the winning track. So if all of a sudden you uh, dump, you know, quote unquote, sister girl number one, Vice President Kamala Harris, who is even less popular than Joe Biden, uh, they have to be concerned about that demographic because what they learned in the 2020 election cycle was that the black vote did not come out and support Hillary Clinton. And then you also saw that the black male vote supporting uh, Donald Trump increased. So what did they do for that 2020 election? They wanted to uh, get Kamala Harris there, who, again, it, it is not about her quality. It's about the, um, the the characteristics that she has. It's the identity politics. And if you dump her, uh, how are you going to sell yeah. uh, this ticket? To Because you can't have two Californians. You can't have Gavin Newsom nope. and Kamala Harris running together. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West uh, here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Colonel West, it was uh, I did not know that about you in, in University of Tennessee. Uh, happy Rocky Top Tennessee to you, my friend, and thank you for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. My pleasure. Thank you, Joe, and I'll see your daughter up there in Knoxville. You got it. My name is Joe Kelly. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. He is. He really is the most approachable talk host in all of America. If you ever get a chance to meet Brian Kilmeade, if you ever get a chance to go to one of his book signings, if you ever get a chance to go to one of his shows, uh, I, I, I beseech you. To take advantage of it. This guy is a consummate entertainer. He's always fantastic. We had him here in Orlando, Florida a couple years ago, and we had a, a major technical snafu on the stage, and yet Brian uh, was was undeterred, and he uh, just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Uh, he is truly a, a as as decent and kind and as wonderful in person as he is on the radio and on TV, Brian Kilmeade. My name is Joe Kelly from Brian's Orlando flagship radio station, WDBO in Orlando, Florida. Uh, you can get details about me anywhere online at Talk Radio Joe. You can join us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. As I said, I'm here in Florida where you, you come for the beaches but stay for the leprosy and malaria. Yes, we have an outbreak of both leprosy and malaria here in the state of Florida. So maybe wash your hands uh, if you're traveling to the state of Florida this week. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, I am absolutely fired up 
about uh, our guest coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, as we're going to be speaking with a billionaire, a multi-billionaire. In fact, we're checking the records right now uh, to see if this is the wealthiest person who's ever appeared on the Brian Kilmeade radio show. Uh, and I think he may well be. So a, a big-time billionaire joining us at the bottom of the hour. So make sure you stay with us. Now, to help break down some of the, the economics uh, of our country and and perhaps of, of what this particular billionaire deals with, uh, I wanted to bring in an economist from the Heritage Foundation. E.J. Antoni is joining us. Hey, E.J., how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad you're joining us. And we've got a lot to break down when it comes to our economy. And it is, uh, it's really an honor to be able to, to talk with you about it. I, I will tell you, first off, I was gobsmacked uh, to learn about yellow trucking. Yellow trucking is so ubiquitous. I mean, they are everywhere, everywhere you look. They're not fancy trucks, but you see them everywhere with the yellow logo on them. And then suddenly... They just closed their doors and let go some 30,000 drivers and staff. What happened to yellow trucking? Oh, Joe, that's a great question. I mean, there really has been a a long history with this company of mismanagement. uh, And and there's also been a long history of of bullying by the union. So by, by no means is either side, I think, blameless in this debacle. But the thing that really sealed the deal, what was the final nail in yellow's coffin, has been the horrific public policy mistakes that we have seen over the last several years, what what many people have have coined as Bidenomics now. Uh, when you think about it, you know, things like rampant inflation don't just affect consumers. They affect businesses as well. One of the reasons why you see business everywhere charging higher prices is because their inputs, in other words, the prices that they have to pay for, have also gone up. In fact, what we've seen the last couple of years since January of 2021 has been prices for businesses actually rising slightly faster than the prices you and I pay. In other words, businesses have been having to eat some of these costs. And that's why when you look at things like these blowout earnings reports and and record profits from these companies, you have to realize that you need to adjust these things for inflation because some of it has to do, for example, with simply buying something that's more expensive, selling it at a higher price, but having the exact same markup. So at the end of the day, the business actually isn't making any more money in real terms because the additional dollars they've made will now buy them less in the future when they have to go, for example, to restock their inventory. So look at things like diesel prices, which have gone through the roof. The prices that that, uh, Yellow was paying for diesel went up 166% in the first 18 months of the Biden administration. And a lot of that has to do with Joe Biden and the Democrats' war on domestic, um, you know, clean American energy, whether that's oil, natural gas, coal, you name it, even even nuclear, which for the longest time we thought was going to save us, right? And, And now for some reason the Greens hate that too, even though it has zero carbon emissions. Nuclear actually has less carbon emissions than than wind and solar, for example. Uh, but that and a combination of you know just inflation, which led to higher interest rates, which, which meant that yellow couldn't refinance or roll over any of its debt. All of these things led to a, a just completely uh, inhospitable business environment for yellow. And, and we've seen the results now. They've gone under. One person's loss is another person's gain, one would imagine. I would, th- I would think the other trucking companies are, are rallying right now to try to snatch up as many co- of those customers as they can. Oh, absolutely. In fact, we actually saw that the day before uh, Yellow officially closed their doors. On Saturday, they made the announcement on Sunday at noon. But on Saturday, we saw a lot of customers 
they could they could basically see the writing on the wall and they were they were running to try to beat other customers to get in line at, at Yellow's competitors. And it's so ironic that Joe Biden, who so frequently says that his policies are about helping the mom and pop stores and the little guy in uh, what, what's the phrase? It's something silly like like middle up or, or middle out and bottom up, something like that. Right. And and yet what what are the effects of his policies? To drive out smaller competitors. Now, yellow is the third biggest. I get it. But still, where are all their customers going to go? To the first and second biggest trucking companies. So far from helping the little guy, Joe Biden is consolidating economic power into a fewer and fewer hands. We're seeing the exact same thing uh, in the banking industry, for example. And, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of workers uh, on, a, on a regular basis, and I'm not talking about, you know, people that own capital. I'm talking about just your average everyday worker that works for somebody else who owns capital. And, I mean, they're struggling. They're, they're having a hard time making ends meet. Consumer debt is at an all-time high. Uh, people aren't paying their loans. People are racking up huge amounts of, of credit card debt. I mean, our, it seems as if we're on a path to, to economic destruction. It is getting very scary very quick. And one of the things I think is is hiding that reality is the fact that the recovery that we have seen these last couple of years has been so incredibly lopsided. Uh, if you look at the latest consumer sentiment data, for example, uh, it, it was it was absolutely bizarre. The lowest third of income earners, meaning those in the, the bottom third of, of incomes, right, their, uh, the consumer sentiment reading for that group plummeted. But looking at the top third, what happened? It went through the roof in the same month. How on earth can that be? You know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, there was a lot of money given out during the pandemic. And then also in, even past the pandemic, past 2020 into 2021, Joe Biden still kept writing checks that the Treasury couldn't cash. But what happened was all of this money went out to people and people in lower and middle incomes have essentially burned through all of their pandemic uh, pan- pandemic era savings because prices have gone up so much so much faster than their wages. But the group that still has a tremendous amount of savings left, about a trillion dollars worth, are those higher income earners. And coincidentally, maybe not coincidentally, that is the same group whose wages rise fastest when we have periods of inflation. EJ, I got to tell you, I was I was I was hitting a drive through at McDonald's, something that I love to do. I love to get my McDonald's drive through. Uh, but I went there for breakfast one day, which I don't normally do. Uh, and I, I looked at the hash browns and I, I typically would order a, a chicken biscuit of some sort uh, and then a hash brown and then a soft drink. And as I looked at the menu board at the drive through, the hash brown was three dollars and 19 cents. And my first thought was. It's just potato, right? It's it's fried potato. How in the heck is it three dollars and nineteen cents at McDonald's? And well, sure, did I have three dollars and nineteen cents to afford a hash brown? Yes. Did I buy it? No. Just on principle, I'm not spending three bucks on a hash brown. I hear you a hundred percent. And what's really amazing is that you know people look at that and like you just said, isn't it just a potato? I don't understand. It's not that the potato has gotten more valuable. It's not that the the oil that it's cooked in has gotten more valuable. It's not that the fuel used to to heat that oil has gotten more valuable. It's not that the worker who who operates the machine and serves you and takes your money. It's not that that it's not that the workers got more valuable, the the quality of the labor, nothing like that. It's that the dollar has gotten smaller. And that's what people need to realize about inflation. 
the government essentially takes a piece of everyone's dollar everywhere, whether it's from your paycheck, your your savings account, your checking account, whether it's from your IRA, 401k, 403b, whatever the case may be. They are taking a portion of your savings, of your earnings, and using that to pay for their unfunded government spending. And so that's how inflation works as a tax, a hidden tax, but still a tax on all of us. And again, it's not that things are more valuable. It's that your dollar is actually getting smaller. We're talking to EJ and Tony. You can find them online at real EJ and Tony and Tony with an I at the end. Uh, and he is an economist with the Heritage Foundation here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. So how does Bidenomics then, uh, EJ, play into an American recovery system? Uh, it, it doesn't really. It, it doesn't play into a recovery at all. It It is doing everything it can to hamper the recovery, to hamstring economic growth, to fuel inflation. You know, another thing that, that really, going back to what we, we started this conversation on with, with yellow trucking, another thing that really doomed yellow was, was the labor unrest. Uh, you know, when you look at in, in the entire post-war period, all the different times when we had high inflation versus low inflation, there is an incredibly strong correlation with labor unrest and with strikes. And the years when we had the highest level of strikes, we're talking 400 uh, and above a year, were the same times that we had incredibly high inflation. And so it shouldn't be surprising that as Joe Biden brought back 40-year high inflation, that he's also brought back labor unrest and strikes. Speaking of which, the the Writers Guild, the Actors Guild on strike out in California and elsewhere, uh, and it seems as if the studio heads have very, very little interest in having a discussion with the Screen Actors Guild or, or the the actors, the writers, and everybody else. Uh, th- this could be a pretty long strike. Well, we can only hope, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But but seriously, but both sides are angry over this. And and they're pointing the blame. They're pointing their fingers at each other, trying to blame each other instead of trying to blame the Federal Reserve and Congress and the White House for spending, borrowing and printing too much money. Because you know, workers are looking at this situation and they're saying my cost of living has gone through the roof. Businesses are looking at this and saying my cost of operations have gone through the roof. And both want concessions out of the other group. Where we should be getting the concessions is out of government. If we have to be tightening our budgets, so does Congress. So does the White House. We're talking to EJ and Tony, and uh, EJ is going to stick with us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I, you touched on nuclear earlier in our conversation, and I want to get into the the economics of of the power grid, the economics of of energy generation here in the United States, especially as we had a new nuclear reactor uh, just recently go online in Georgia. And, it, and I have to point out, it's the state of Georgia, not the not the country of Georgia, because it, it is unusual. Uh, we have not had a nuclear generator come online uh, in some. 40 plus years here in the United States. So we'll continue with that part of the conversation coming up next with EJ and Tony here on the Brian Kilmeade show. My name is Joe Kelly. The number is 866-408-7669. Stay right there. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yeah, I'm really excited. Coming up in a few minutes here, just past the bottom of the hour news, uh, we have a guest that's going to join us who may well be, who who may well hold the record for being the the uh, 
the biggest billionaire, the most valuable billionaire that's ever been on the Brian Kilmeade show. And we're checking the records, the archives on that to see if that's still the case. Uh, but but a big time billionaire might even be a billionaire that you've never heard of. Depends. Depends on what industry you're in. Depends on where you live uh, as to whether or not you've heard of him. Uh, but he'll be joining us coming up uh, just after the bottom of the hour news. So please stay with us. Meanwhile, and I don't want to undersell E.J. Antoni. E.J. Antoni, uh, you've got a chance to be a billionaire, too, as the Mega Millions jackpot has reached $1 billion, E.J., as an economist for the Heritage Foundation. Uh, what uh, do, do you recommend buying lottery tickets? No, I, I view the lottery as a tax on people who are bad at statistics. Yes. I mean, and you know what? Honestly, the only the only real winner every single time uh, we have a lottery is the IRS. Let's be honest. They're, they're going to rake in, you know, somewhere around half of this prize between the IRS and, and then also uh, the United States Treasury. And then if, if the winner is in a state with a with a state and local income tax, I mean, it's just absolutely appalling how much the government takes of this. And by the way, most of those lottery tickets are being purchased by people who are using after-tax income. So the income was already taxed to begin with. Yeah, and uh, and oftentimes it's the people who can least afford it, unfortunately, right, uh, right. Who, are, who are playing the lottery. Uh, and so many people's lives are destroyed uh, after winning so much money and not knowing how to deal with that kind of money because they don't check with people like you on how to spend that kind of money. Uh, the Biden administration, by the way, announced that they're, they're going to require raising fuel economy standards to 58 miles per gallon. That's part of the CAFE standards, corporate average fuel economy. Uh, and I look at yellow trucking's collapse again, and, and I think about the – the fuel economy standards and the, the nuclear plant that just went online uh, in Georgia. Uh, how about our energy supply here in the United States? I know that a lot of us uh, look with a squinty eye at the expansion of electric vehicles, knowing full well that most of those electric vehicles are still powered by uh, ultimately coal or natural gas. Exactly. And I mean, it's just it's absolutely appalling. The whole discussion around energy today in this country it is probably the greatest source of, I mean, not even misinformation, just flat out lies, absolute lies, whether it's people talking about uh, how much pollution comes from coal, oil, uh, natural gas, or whether it's people talking about how much of those resources we actually have left. And, and I mean, frankly, we see a similar, similarly disingenuous discussion uh, around nuclear and even more recently, uh, hydropower as well, which used to be one of one of the, the biggest proponents of, of hydropower was the green industry lobby. And they have switched on. They have just turned on their heels and now they are all in on solar and wind and they have thrown in hydro, for example, with with those other sources we we just named as as being the devil incarnate. I mean, it's just insane. You know, I, I think it spoke volumes when there was a plan afoot to build a wind farm off the coast of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And the the Kennedy family, who has been, you know, longtime residents there, uh, shut that down. And, and that, you know, for, for a family that purports to support green energy, to, to have the NIMBY, not in my backyard attitude. Exactly. Uh, was, re- was really all that I needed to know. A hundred percent. You're absolutely right, Joe. And, you know, at the end of the day, the other thing to remember is if these things were actually profitable, which we're told they are. Right. But if these things were actually profitable, the private market would do them. Why? Because the private market has a profit incentive. And so individuals and businesses would be building 
uh, solar pl- plants. They'd be building wind turbines, but they're not. Why? Because even with tens of thousands of dollars of subsidies on every single electric vehicle, millions of subsidies on, on every wind turbine and millions on every uh, uh, solar plant, what happens? These things still lose money. They can't compete. And so we have to have regulations on the books which hamper Things like uh, coal and natural gas, which are highly dispatchable forms of power, uh, and and even hydro and nuclear, we have to we have to basically hamstring those as well, so that we can give solar and wind a, a fighting chance. We have to basically tie the the tie one hand of every other type of energy behind its back, and yet solar and wind still can't compete. You're going to be able to find them online at Real E J and Tony E J and Tony at Economist with the Heritage Foundation. It's great. To catch up with you today here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. EJ, thank you so much. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Coming up next, stand by for the biggest billionaire ever on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think we'll have that for you coming up next. Stay right where you are. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, it's Joe Kelly here for Brian Kilmeade. Brian is going to be back here tomorrow. I know you're excited about that. I am as well. You can join me at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly uh, from the Florida Freedom Zone here at WDBO Radio, where I host the Joe Kelly Show weekday afternoons from 5 till 7 p.m. Uh, you can check that out anytime online. Just go to WDBO.com. Um, I got to tell you, before I introduce my guest here, I was born into oil. Uh, very privileged I was born into oil. When I was born in California, the birth certificate listed – I don't even think birth certificates list the father's name anymore. I think it just has the mother's name. Uh, but not only did it list the father's name, but it also asked the births, my birth certificate what line of work my father was in. And my father worked in oil. And so literally it just says oil. So when I say I was born into oil, I mean quite – Quite literally, in in the birth certificate, I was born into oil, uh, but not quite the same way that my next guest uh, has been born into oil and and really maybe gave birth to oil. Uh, But joining us now is Harold Hamm, and he is the author of the new book, Game Changer, our 50-year mission to secure America's energy independence. Harold Hamm, welcome to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Joe. Good to be with you. I, I moved here uh, 2011 from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and I know you as an Oklahoma boy. And, and uh, I know in the state of Oklahoma, and for our Tulsa listeners, our Oklahoma City listeners, uh, they are certainly excited to hear you on the radio. Well, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, Tulsa was once the oil capital of the world. So, yeah, we've got a, probably got a lot of listeners there. Now, you uh, in this book, you, you talk about being a game changer. Can I, can I assume, and I haven't read the book, I've read the notes, but I haven't had time to read the book. Uh, can I assume that the game changer in, in your perspective is horizontal drilling? It is. That's exactly it. Uh, the one thing uh, that brought, brought about the energy renaissance in America. And help, help our listeners understand what that did, what horizontal drilling is, and how it changed how we get oil out of the ground. Well, it changed everything. First of all, you know, it uh, gave us all of the reservoirs that was, was oil saturated, 
but the permeability and porosity would not let, let the wool flow very well. So just uh, drilling the uh, uh, well bores through that rock uh, would, would allow them to produce. And uh, so, you know, that was the first thing. The second thing, it, it gave us uh, the ability to produce the source beds themselves, the shale. Uh, so both oil and, and uh, natural gas uh, from the shale reservoirs. And, and basically, you know, that was the bedrock, uh, you know, that, that was where oil and gas was created, uh, the source beds for both oil and gas. And it gave us the ability to produce that. So it, it just made all the difference in the world. We had produced uh, from the 15% that basically had leaked off those source beds over time for the last 150 years. And now we can produce uh, some of that 85% that's left in those source beds themselves. You obviously, over the decades, have done a phenomenal job of locating oil and capturing the oil and producing the the oil. Uh, this, though, comes at a time now, particularly with the Biden administration, in which we're trying to get away from oil. How, you, that, that, that has got to be a big thing on your mind. Well, yes, it is. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, some of these administrations keep fumbling the ball. And uh, basically this one is uh, intent upon taking us from an air of abundance that, that he had when he came into office back into an air of scarcity. And it's, it's just too bad. And I can't help but to regularly think about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is supposed to be there for emergencies. Uh, but we have we as the country, but uh, the Biden administration in particular, we have drained it significantly. Yeah, is there, you know, basically in times of war uh, where you need a lot of supply quickly uh, right now? And and, uh, and unfortunately, now he's drained it down to the point that, you know, it's practically empty. Take us back, if you would, please, in your early days of of oil exploration, of trying to, you know, working with geologists and trying to figure out where the oil is and, and how to get it out of the ground. How did it start for you? Well, it started very simply. Uh, back then, you know, we was working with vertical wells and geologic concepts, and that's my training is in geology. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's one one prospect at a time, and we, we wasn't thinking about it quite like we are today, you know, when you're looking at uh, the huge resources like the Bakken uh, that covers 900,000 square uh, acres in uh and in, in, in or fifteen thousand square miles uh in in North Dakota. Uh so in Montana. So we we think about it uh, a lot different today with these what we call resource plays. Uh the Bakken is a prime example of that. I mean, you know, we we produce a, a lot of the best quality crude oil from that. Uh and it came along at a very good time. Uh, you know, in 2010, when it really uh, first first began, it had all the middle distillates that we needed uh, for for particularly for diesel. It it drove the price down when you think about it on diesel from 450 a gallon to 225. So it's it's, it's a great resource. 
as I'm sure you're well aware, there are there are some people who would look at the the Harold Hams uh, in our society today and say they're part of the problem uh, because they're you know they're big big oil and big oil has now you know become synonymous with something that is bad and and evil. Uh, but even you know if you go back to the earliest days of oil exploration in the United States, the earliest days of of wildcatters, uh, you know, finding these wells. I mean, we the industry has done a tremendous job of cleaning up the the mess that can be crude oil. Well, and let me let me point those same people uh, to what's happened with clean burning natural gas. By bringing bringing that on, getting away from the d- dirty coal plants, uh, we've we've taken America back to uh, pollution levels in the air back to the seventies, uh, that that levels that we hadn't seen since the nineteen seventies. So we've done so much to clean up the air in America. We have the cleanest air in the world in the U.S. today, and we're exporting that through clean burning LNG, liquefied natural gas. Uh, to the rest of the world, uh, it would have been real coal uh, in Europe had we not that, had that ability to do that. So a lot of great things are coming from today's energy renaissance. That's been brought about simply by one thing, as you said in the beginning, and that's horizontal horizontal drilling. And and again, uh, we're talking to Harold Ham uh, from Oklahoma. He is the author. Of the book Game Changer, our 50-year mission to secure America's, uh, America's rather energy independence. I'm Joe Kelly, in for Brian Kilmeade today. Uh, and as we hear the Biden administration and others, uh, particularly on the left, talk about the the importance and the rise of electric vehicles. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on on the proliferation of electric vehicles and, frankly, how oil and gas still plays a huge part of that. Well, you, let's, let's just think first of all. We have energy independence, and we're not we're not dependent upon anybody in the Middle East, uh, anywhere else in the world. So we're right there on the cusp of energy independence. This country, and now we want to plunge back in to where we're eighty five percent of all the precious metals that go into batteries come from China. We don't have them, so suddenly you're dependent upon another country for all of all of what you need for these electric vehicles. Now, does that make sense? Let me ask you, uh, energy independence or uh, independence of uh, from China, uh, you know, it's, it's usually important that uh, we not be dependent on another country, and particularly one that may not like us. You know, for for years now, and as I as I alluded, uh, being born into oil myself, not the, quite the same way you you are, sir. Uh, but my father worked for Texaco his entire adult life, an oil company that no longer exists. But um, you know, we have heard over the decades, time and time again, that we're going to run out of oil. In fact, they had a term for it called peak oil that we'd hit the peak of the Earth's available oil. I have not heard the term peak oil. In a long time, uh, how much oil do we have left? Well, we we have centuries. Uh, we certainly uh, you, you can just we we found centuries of uh, natural gas out there, probably two hundred years ahead of us. And for many decades, uh, we we've got enough oil to supply our, our nation and and provide the growth that we need. And energy has has made America great. 
It's this is the one that provided all the growth uh, that we've had for the last hundred years since 1900. So it's it's tremendous uh, when you think about it. And and yeah, peak oil that everybody thought, gosh, run out, right? No. Uh, so this is this has been a game changer. It's such an important book. Everybody in America needs to read it. Needs to understand it. Needs to understand. You know what the benefits are of of clean burning natural gas and the best oil in the world. We are talking to Harold Ham, author of the book Game Changer: Our Fifty Year Mission to Secure America's Energy Independence. And of course, when we talk about oil, we think about automobiles, we think about gassing up our cars, we think about the lube uh, lubrication of our cars. Sometimes we think about heating oil. Uh, but oil in and of itself is in so many of our day-to-day products that have nothing to do with powering something. Yes, that's true. You know, without oil, we'd be, we'd be sitting here without any clothes on. Right. right. <laughs> so, yes, everything that uh, we use, touch, or need uh, comes from oil products. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, at the cover of your book where you're wearing a, a, a plastic hard hat. That's oil. It's oil. That's I mean, oil. There, there's so much that is made of oil. And for, for people who are extremists, who are, you know, anti-big oil uh, extremists, I don't think they fully appreciate uh, just how important oil is to our economy b- beyond the energy sector. No, absolutely not. It's a, a wonderful thing. It provides everything we need in our daily lives. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it's great to have it. Without it, you know, we'd be... Uh, we'd be hurting for sure. Such a thrill for me to be able to talk to Harold Ham. We're going to continue uh, this discussion coming up next. So stay with us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You can join us at 866-408-7669. We'll continue straight ahead. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. My name is Joe Kelly. In for Brian Kilmeade, you'll find me online at Talk Radio Joe. You can join the Brian Kilmeade Show by calling 866-408-7669. Brian is going to be back here tomorrow. For those of you who've been waiting for Brian to come back, you won't have to wait too much longer as he'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, again, I'm Joe Kelly, and uh, we're talking to uh, uh, the oil man, Harold Ham, the Oklahoma oilman, uh, the author of the book Game Changer, Our 50-Year Mission to Secure America's Energy Independence. And, you know, one of the things I like about oil, uh, Mr. Ham, is that oil can't be hacked. Uh, oil can't, uh, you know, have somebody hack into it and and deviate the course of it. I mean, certainly pipelines potentially could, uh, but unlike you know electric vehicles and and all the other electrical infrastructure, uh, there's real vulnerabilities there. Well, there is, uh, you know, and we've had uh, one instance, of course, with the Colonial Pipeline that uh, was interrupted for a short while, but it didn't shut off all supplies, uh, of course, you know, and I, I don't know. It worries me as to what could happen, you know, with somebody hacking into the EV, uh, uh, you know, all the, you know, that would limit everybody's drives. Uh, so anyway, no, that's worrisome. 
No doubt about that. We, on the subject of pipelines, uh, give us an update on the, the American infrastructure system. I mean, we've, we've got a series of oil pipelines, but one of the first things that the Biden administration did as they, uh, as they took office was cancel a couple of the, of the pipeline deals. Uh, pipelines, uh, that, that seemingly is the best way to move oil and uh, oil products across the country. Well, all they did is just run up the cost to consumers. Uh, you know, it's like the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Uh, certainly, uh, I mean, this thing is ninety what ninety nine percent complete, and uh, all they had to do is finish the thing. Billions and billions of dollars in it, and you know that that serves a a, a lot of customers that that need uh, natural gas service, and so you just run that cost up. I mean, what are, what are they? Doing uh, using propane, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, it's crazy when that happens. Given your expertise, given your level of success uh, in finding oil, uh, I would think that our country's political leaders would turn to people such as yourself and say, "Help us formulate an energy policy." Does that happen? Well, it has happened. Uh, you know, we had good input into the Trump administration, and you know, we saw what happened. Uh, brought on lost supplies, and price went down. And you know, that was that's good for consumers. wasn't particularly great for me. Uh, you know, we didn't make as much money, but that's okay. Uh, you know, we we got by and survived, and everything's okay. Uh, then what happens? We get the next administration that wants to dry up supply. Uh, you know, cut off pipelines, uh, cut off uh, development on federal lands, drives the price of energy up. Uh, it, uh, you know, feeds inflation, drives inflation up. Uh, you know, it's nuts what happened. And, uh, you know, it's not good for the country and, and uh, certainly wasn't good for the consumers. Harold Hamm, if you were the president, if you were President Harold Hamm, uh, give us a, a thumbnail sketch of what your energy policy would look like. Well, certainly, uh, you know, the two million people uh, that serve our industry out there, the workers, uh, they'd, they'd be working. Uh, they'd be developing energy uh, for American consumption. And, uh, you know, it, without uh, the LNG, for instance, that we produce uh, from natural gas, uh, Europe would have been in coal last winter, <laughs> uh, even though they had a mild winter. You know, all of the supplies of LNG that we were able to ship to them, uh, you know, took uh, took took the fear away from them. Uh, you know, uh, let them let them be warm last winter. So, if I was president, certainly energy development would be top of the list. We only have just a couple of seconds left here with Harold Ham. Would your, uh, are, rather, are you are you invested in in any renewable energy sources, or is it singularly oil? You know, we, we've invested recently in carbon capture and underground sequestration for ethanol plants. Uh, certainly, we, we think that's a, the right thing to do. Uh, so anyway, I think this book is something that uh, readers will enjoy. And I think it's very, very important for your readers, Joe, to... Uh, to get this book and in your hands and read it. I think you're right. It's called Game Changer, our 50-year mission to secure America's energy independence by oilman Harold Hamm here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News radio studios in midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. 
are coming to you live from the Florida Freedom Zone here in Orlando, Florida, Central Florida, home to Walt Disney World, of course, Universal Orlando Resort, SeaWorld. Uh, we're just a stone's throw away from the Kennedy Space Center. We had a couple of launches just over the weekend. I will tell you that if you ever make your way out to Central Florida, uh, coming for a launch and, and witnessing a launch in person uh, is truly something that you will never forget. Now, back during the space shuttle days, it was a little bit more interesting as those were some pretty big rockets. Uh, but we've got some more bigger rockets that are coming soon here to the Space Coast, and we're all very, very excited about that. And, man, i got to tell you, when the space shuttle program was retired, a lot of us thought, oh, that's it. That's that's the end of, uh, of America's space exploration. Uh, and especially as we kind of turn the keys over to the private sector. But, man, the private sector is doing amazing work right now. Uh, in fact, the private sector is really running circles around NASA at, at this point. But, again, if you get a chance to come here, uh, the Kennedy Space Center is a must-stop uh, tourist site. It is It is truly amazing. Uh, how how well they have put together the Kennedy Space Center and the the tour that involves and nothing else as you drive around the Kennedy Space Center uh, you will see more alligators than you you perhaps have ever seen in a single location that wasn't a zoo uh, as the the Kennedy Space Center has has just tons of alligators uh, that you'll see everywhere there and that is a, it's a common sight here in Florida especially in in central all the way down to south florida towards the uh, towards the everglades my name is joe kelly i am the host of the joe kelly show here on wdbo in orlando florida an honor to fill in for brian kilmeade once again today bk will be back tomorrow morning uh right away and i'm and i'm excited to have brian back i know you guys are as well this hour i don't have any guests it's open for your phone calls this hour 866-408-7666 I do want to talk about uh, President Trump and and Governor DeSantis and their race for the White House and uh, Governor DeSantis's uh, apparent failure to launch. Uh, I and to put all my cards on the table. I want to put all my cards on the table here. So, you know, from where I am speaking uh, during the initial campaign of of uh, Donald Trump running for president, Trump was not my guy at the time. uh, I was I was in the camp of Senator Marco Rubio. As Rubio lost the primary, uh, I, of course, voted for Donald Trump in the general. Uh, during the next election, I voted for Donald Trump again in the general. And frankly, if Donald Trump is the party's candidate, I will vote for him uh, a third time in the general election. But he is not my first choice uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, not the least of which is uh, somebody else, be it DeSantis or somebody else, could serve a full eight years, whereas as President Trump cannot uh, serve a full eight years. And that's a big deal to me. Uh, but what, one of the things I have absolutely learned to respect and, and appreciate about Donald Trump is his resiliency. As since the moment he came down the escalator at Trump Tower in New York, people have been predicting the demise of Donald Trump as recently as his most recent arrest. Take a listen as everybody has predicted the demise of Donald Trump. The walls are closing in, as uh, as has been said before. Uh, you know who is still at large. <laughs> we all rose to the occasion. The papers, everybody just went there. So many people were excited. You should prosecute the case. You should always have them in a timely manner. But the timely manner was a year ago. The whole world is watching our criminal justice system, and it is the first time, if he's going to be indicted, that we've indicted a former president. 
so I think we should take our best shot. And that was just the 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 indictment response. Uh, listen, we've got more here on the arrest. And I think that it is a one of the most devastating indictments that I have ever read. It has to go to jail because there has to be a concrete deterrent for others who are contemplating compromising our national security information, mishandling um, uh, national defense information, which is what gave rise to the espionage charge, obstructing justice, conspiring to do all of these things. Wow, that's eye-popping on the second page. The fact that where they are, the hallway leading to the storage room could be reached from multiple outside entrances, right? It's also <laughs> about, I mean, I can't even, that point right there, which where the door was left open often. So let's just pause on that for a second. It's got to be embarrassing to be wrong so often, to be wrong on so many occasions. The resiliency of Donald Trump is astounding, absolutely astounding. And Donald Trump was right. When he said he could go down to Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody in the head and still get elected president. I mean, th- that that may be an extreme example, but we understood where he was coming from. And he has fully understood that. I mean, even when he first ran, clearly Donald Trump heard something from the electorate that the rest of the candidates didn't hear. Donald Trump read the electorate better than anybody else. And he still maintains that resiliency and for anybody who wants to count out Donald Trump I I I I would be very cautious about counting out Donald Trump but again I I would love frankly to count out Donald Trump I I I would love for Ron DeSantis to be doing better right now uh but I'd also love to win powerball and a billion dollars you can't get everything that you love so uh, uh, where do you think about Donald Trump's resiliency? What do you think about the odds of Ron DeSantis? I, I'm just really disappointed. And, and if it really seems as if Ron DeSantis uh, sucks at retail politics, a retail politics that is getting out, shaking hands, uh, getting out and, and meeting people face to face. You know, and frankly, it's something that we do in radio. I, I have long described radio as as a continuous running for office. We are always asking for the vote. And by vote, I mean asking you to listen. And Brian Kilmeade understands that so exceptionally well, which is why he is constantly making appearances in, in his respective radio markets. It's why he's you know writing books. It's why he's out meeting people. It's retail politics. And it is something that Brian Kilmeade excels at. He is superb at retail politics. But Governor DeSantis is terrible at it. I, I, I like him on policy. I, I like him on leadership. I wish he was a better candidate because he is just, frankly, doing a terrible job as as a candidate, he's really got to step up. I think it's too soon to count him out. We've still got a lot of time and a lot can happen. But I was, uh, a, again, a little perplexed and, and, and taken by Donald Trump's resiliency as, a, according to a, a pretty shocking new poll, even though a quarter of Republican voters think that Donald Trump committed serious federal crimes, that's the words from the poll, A quarter of the electorate, a quarter of Republicans think that Donald Trump committed serious federal crimes. 
they still much prefer him over Ron DeSantis or any other GOP candidate. Is that not remarkable? Republican primary voters believe that DeSantis is more moral and more likable than Trump, but they still want to put the former president forward as the 2024 candidate. And it is likely Republicans are more confident that Trump can beat President Joe Biden in a general election over DeSantis. This is part of a New York Times Siena poll that was released Monday. Shows Donald Trump has a staggering 37 percent lead over second place DeSantis as the ex-president continues to widen his lead. The lead's not shrinking. It's getting larger. If the primary election were held today, Donald Trump would win 54 percent of the Republican vote while Ron DeSantis would earn only 17%. That's 5% less than the number of voters who think the ex-president is a criminal. So we've got Republican voters who believe that Donald Trump is a criminal. They believe he is immoral and not likable. And they're still going to vote for him. <laughs> I mean, there there is something magical, mystical about Donald Trump that has captivated so many people. Let's get to the phones here at 866-408-7669 on The Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll start out in Gainesville, Florida, where Jerry, is it Jerry or Gary? Gary, is it? It's uh, Jerry, and uh, I, like you, a compatriot from the free state of Florida, know well Governor DeSantis' strengths and weaknesses. And, yes, he's not a very... Uh, charismatic individual. But I think his campaign management team needs to reset their narrative and say, we want integrity of character over charisma. We want confidence over cult of personality. Uh, I, I believe that it is only DeSantis that can lead the next generation of Republicans to an, an election of, of the independents. That's where it's going to be won in the states like Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio. I think that's where he needs to play his hand and make his um, make his uh, campaign pitch to the American electorate. And, uh, and then once he's elected, I believe he's the only guy that can assemble, a, uh, be able to govern. I think half the Republican Party, the establishment Republican Party, hates Trump, will, will be passively resistant against him. I think that only DeSantis can coalesce a government that's going to be able to govern and achieve the uh, conservative agenda that he did so well in the state of Florida. It's demonstrable proof. He really has to stand on these policies and try to uh, emphasize his competence and his character of integrity, which is beyond impunity. And I really think he's going to shine on the debate stage because people may not know this, but, you know, we here in Florida know Governor DeSantis well. He's a graduate of Yale and Harvard. This guy came from a middle-class family. He is not one of these elites that get in under the, you know, the because their parents went there. So he got in there because of merit. He's a very smart guy. And as a lawyer, I believe he's going to really do well on the debate stage. On paper, uh, Gary, he uh, Jerry, rather, I'm so sorry. On paper, I mean, he is the perfect candidate, but it's not paper that's running for office. I agree, but I think he has to really kind of come out of his own a little bit. And I think his wife can help him because his wife is a tour de force. I think yeah, she, she can is. Help him in terms of because she has TV experience yep. and she's just a, she'd be a great first lady because very, she's also has. A, a lot of uh, good moral ethics to her, and she's a, a force to be reckoned with, and she really can help him on his campaign in terms of reshaping his image and make him a little less stiff, a little more gregarious. 
Jerry, thank you so much. I sure appreciate you listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. To Arkansas we go. Patrick is here on The Brian Kilmeade Show with Joe Kelly. Hi, Patrick. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good, good. Um, I, I agree with you guys about DeSantis and everything, and, of course, I don't know him personally. I just know from the news and listening to you guys every day. And, uh, again, since Rush Limbaugh, thank you guys for being here. Um, anyway, uh, I believe, you know, busting my butt for a dollar my whole life, uh, I can tell you from construction for sure, you need somebody to go in and tear up that ground before we can get all the other stuff done. I think Trump needs one more time to go in there and clear out those cobwebs, clear out all this crap these guys before, or, I mean, this, these last couple of years have done, and then get DeSantis in there for his eight years of a little bit more smooth sailing, if so to speak. Well, I, I feel, Patrick, that if DeSantis doesn't win this time, that's his only chance. This is his only chance to win the White House. I don't think if, if he if he loses and say either Trump wins or or Biden wins or, or worse, if the Democrats uh, put in another candidate who could serve eight years, I just don't think that the Ron DeSantis brand uh, is still going to be as valuable in four or eight years from now as it is right now. Uh, you know, there's something about striking while the iron is hot. I think Barack Obama learned that better than anybody. Who would have thought uh, that that Barack Obama, a freshman senator from Illinois, uh, that that hadn't won any significant seats of any difficulty, would would ascend so quickly to the presidency? It was his time. And timing is truly everything in politics. And and I, I truly believe that this is Ron DeSantis's time. And if he doesn't make it, I don't think there's going to be a second chance. It's awful to think because uh, he seems like he would be a good president. I just think we need somebody that doesn't care like Trump to go back in there and knock all this stuff down. You know, so, I Patrick, mean, I, 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 I obviously you could be right, but. I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My number is 866-408-7669. We're going to continue. Coming up with more of your phone calls straight ahead here as we uh, discuss the the uh, race, especially here in Florida, uh, with DeSantis and Trump, both Florida residents. And uh, we'll get to more of your calls and comments coming up straight ahead at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You don't believe that former President Trump could win a general election against Joe Biden? I don't think so, because I think that there's too many voters who just aren't going to vote for him going forward. I saw it in Florida in my re-election. You know, I won the first time by less than a percent, second time by 20. Why did people vote against me in 18 but then voted for me 22? The number one reason they gave was because of Trump, because in 18 they said that um, they were voting against Trump, voting against me to vote against Trump, even though they didn't know much about me. By 22, that was there. So I think in states like Georgia and Arizona, and there's, and look, I don't put a stock in the polls, but you know, you guys talk about them. The polls that come out that put, put, I beat Biden in Georgia, Trump doesn't. I beat Biden soundly in Arizona, Trump doesn't. Those are just the realities. 
That is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis with uh, Brett Baer on Special Report. My name is Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You can join us at 866-408-7669. Anybody following the Women's World Cup, I can tell you that the United States women's team, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they continue protesting the American National Anthem before the Women's World Cup matches, uh, whereas I think it was three of the players put their hands over their heart and sang along with the National Anthem, and all the remaining players did not place their hands over their heart. People are making a big deal that they weren't singing. I, I got to tell you, I don't think not singing the National Anthem is that big of a deal. Uh, I don't think that's that disrespectful. But not placing your hand over your heart is terribly disrespectful. When I go to church, I, I, I know how much they I'm supposed to sing uh, with the hymns and, and the gospel music at church. But I, I'm a terrible singer, and I don't like singing, and I wouldn't be singing the National Anthem either. But you better believe I'm going to be standing at attention, and I'm going to have my hand over my heart. It is really hard to cheer for an American national team that has such contempt for the United States. It's kind of disgusting. 866-408-7669. Let's go to Eric, who's tuning in here in Orlando on WDBO, our flagship station here. Hey, Eric, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show with me, Joe Kelly. How are you? JK is doing a good job filling in for BK. How <laughs> Thanks, are you doing, sir? Very good. Um, I'm from Florida. I live in a town called Edgewater. Ron DeSantis knocked on my door, shook his hand, said he's running for Congress. He became my congressman. Then he became my governor. Things were great. And Donald Trump made things great. Ron DeSantis was referred to by Donald Trump as probably be one of the greatest attorney generals the country's ever seen. But I think... Uh, I think that Mark Kay is correct that uh, Rhino, never Trump or Paul Ryan, who runs Fox News, board of directors, got a hold of DeSantis. DeSantis, you're right. Not he, If he blows it here, he's done. He should have just waited, maybe helped Trump win. Trump would have made him the best. I think Trump's right. He'd be the best attorney general we ever saw. Eric, thank you so much. Out of time here in this segment. We'll continue with more of your comments. Coming up straight ahead at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. There are a number of people who are qualified. You're among them. Uh, so is the former president. He says he hasn't decided whether he's going or not. In fact, he moved today on his Truth Social and said, maybe all of the other candidates should debate, and I'll determine who might be a vice presidential candidate. You've got to earn this nomination. Uh, nobody's entitled to it. Uh, you got to go work, and I think the debates are part of that process. I think being on the ground in Iowa New Hampshire is a big part of that process. And so you'll see me showing up in all these places. We look forward to being able to speak directly to the American people, and I think it'll be a, a very worthwhile endeavor. That is Governor DeSantis with Brett Baer on Fox News, a special report as uh, the uh, Excuse me, Donald Trump, former President Trump, has said that he doesn't plan on being a part of the first debate. I agree with with um, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West that we had on earlier today here on the Brian Kilmeade show uh, that it is important. It is important for all the candidates to go through the process of vetting, even though Donald Trump is, has once been vetted. I, I think it's important to be able to match him up with the rest of the candidates. And uh, I think it's important that Donald Trump participate in the upcoming debate. Your thoughts? I'm Joe Kelly. Kelly filling in for Brian Kilmeade. You can join me now at 866-408-7669. 
1-866-408-7669. A couple of space notes here for you real quick. NASA has announced a, uh, a date change for the next crewed launch. Uh, it has now been pushed back to Monday, August 21st. Uh, this is going to be part of the uh, SpaceX Falcon 9 crew, Crew 7 to the International Space Station. Also, NASA, NASA, somebody made a mistake at NASA. Somebody goofed. And this would be quite a goof to make as NASA has lost control of the Voyager 2 probe. Now, the Voyager 2, Voyager 1 and 2 probes were launched in 1977, 16 days apart from each other. And they have been heading out into uh, deep, deep, deep space. Uh, and scientists have now lost contact with Voyager 2 after a series of planned commands inadvertently caused Voyager 2 to angle its antenna away from Earth by two degrees. It's amazing the difference two degrees can make. So basically, Voyager 2 is adrift and alone in the dark of space having left the outer edge of our solar system back in late 2018. The good news is Voyager 2, even all the way back in 1977, Voyager 2 is programmed to reset its antenna alignment every uh, several times each year to stay in contact with Earth as, as it drifts further away. The next reset is scheduled for October 15th, at which point communication with Voyager 2 hopefully uh, will resume. We certainly hope so. It's, it's remarkable to think that we have had this thing uh, going out into deep, deep space for all these years. Uh, Voyager 1 is currently 14.8 billion miles from Earth. I don't know about you, but I cannot comprehend how far away 14.8 billion years away is. Um, uh, that's just a billion miles, rather, is is away from us. Again, you can join me now, 866-408-7669. We're talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about Ron DeSantis, whether or not Donald Trump should participate uh, in the uh, forthcoming presidential debate. Let's go to Nancy, who's checking in from Topeka, Kansas. Nancy, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show here with Joe Kelly. How are you, Nancy? I'm fine. How are you, Joe? Good. Good. Um. I just think that whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, he straightened us out for four years. He's a businessman. He knows how to handle people. He handled Russia. He handled China. All of that. And we were energy efficient. And now look at us. And... I just think that I don't feel I love DeSantis. I'd vote for him in a minute if I thought he had the gonads to take care of this. And I don't think he does. I don't think he has the experience. I don't think he's in, in not that he's not intelligent. I think he's very intelligent. Well, keep in, keep in mind that Donald Trump didn't have the experience before becoming president either. Right. I mean, he, 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 was, he was a businessman, and he knew how to handle people. And he handled Russia. He handled China. We'd never be in this situation if he'd have got four more years. I can tell you that. 
because he doesn't mess around. All right, so Nancy, I'm going to put you down as undecided then, okay? I'm kidding. I'll put you down for Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, uh, Nancy. I appreciate your call to Virginia. Uh, Let's go to James here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Joe Kelly. Hi, James. How are you? Hi, Joe. How are you? Good. Hey, um... Yeah, that that's that, that uh, lost thing there. That if you're gonna go uh, that far out in space, uh, it's not gonna be very easy to find. You think, huh? Right. Hey, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna go out there and try to find it, you're gonna have to pack something overnight to get out there. That yeah, far. we're not we're not gonna be able to go fix Voyager two uh, fr- from the ground. It's not like fixing the Hubble spacecraft. You know, we can send someone up to fix the Hubble. We can't send someone out to fix Voyager. Well, maybe they'll send Voyager 3 out to find 2 or something, and then 4 <laughs> can find 3 and 2 right, and yeah. at the same time. But I, I wanted to say, I think we're in Revelation times, and I think this election has a lot to do with that. Trump has always promoted the Lord to be in our country. At the end of every, almost every speech, he always says, I'll never remove God from our country. Uh, God has been removed from our country. The progressives are actually the, in the Bible called the transgressors in the end times. Everything's kind of like opposite. You know, good is evil, evil is good, and all that the Bible says in the end times. So so anyway, I wanted to mention this book. If anybody wants to read it, they can they can understand what the, what's going on today. It's called Blessed, Blessed with an Angel and a Rainbow. And it starts off with two things, the celestial, uh, celestial, two celestial. Uh, uh, well, but just before the last election, we had the great eclipse James, in America. James, yeah, thank let you. you. I'll let you go. But I, I, yep. Thanks for your call, man. I appreciate that. We we are not big fans of uh, promoting books that we've not vetted, we've not seen, we don't know. Uh, but thank you so much for that. Let's go to Peggy in Tennessee. Hey, Peggy, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Oh, good morning. Hi. I wanted to, I wanted to give you some food for thought regarding the – Trump DeSantis conundrum that you have presented. For starters, Donald Trump is no fool. DeSantis is equally no fool. Donald Trump is is not does not he's not in the dark regarding the fact that he's only got four years should he even get elected. However, I think that you don't give Donald Trump the credit that he deserves because I believe that either through his vice presidential camp candidate or through someone he chooses as time passes, he's going to focus and laser in on that person who can best represent our American values, which is what Trump stands for, going forward from 2028 into the future. So so if I I understand you right, Peggy, what you're saying is is that Donald Trump should be elected for four more years, and then he can, uh, I guess, handpick his successor? provide guidance to anybody who is willing to embrace our American values. And the number two part of this that I think that you need a different perspective on is that it's not a good idea to dismiss DeSantis' ability to win in 2028 if he doesn't win in 2024. This is a very intelligent, very savvy man who has an excellent partner in hand. So I don't know why you would automatically remove him in your thinking from being a possible contender in 2028. Well, I'll tell you, you're right. You're right about one thing, Peggy, and that is, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, Joe Biden ran for president how many times before he was finally elected president and and unfortunately well past his prime uh, when he was elected president? So so never say never, as they say. 
Uh, and I would imagine that at some point, perhaps Ron DeSantis uh, could, after you know, well after 2028, uh, still be a candidate for the White House. I just believe that timing is everything, and and uh, love him or hate him, I think Barack Obama was the example of that, and that is uh, your your timing is going to be everything. And Barack Obama was was hmm, was the right guy at the right time. I'm, I'm not a fan of his politics, but but just as a political strategy, he was the right guy at the right time. And and I think for Ron DeSantis, uh, so far, I, I think he's blowing it. Uh, his presidential campaign, and and if he doesn't pull it around quick, I I think he runs the very real risk of being damaged goods moving forward, and that that his brand is going to be tarnished, and it is not going to be worth what it is now. Uh, and uh, you know, another four years that that allows a lot of opportunity for opposition research, that allows a lot of opportunity for for Democrat opponents to to redefine who Ron DeSantis is. If Ron DeSantis doesn't fight back and and doesn't stage his own uh, more efficient campaign, uh, I, I think there's just too many variables here uh, for DeSantis that could go wrong if if he is not elected this time around. 866-408-7669. My name is Joe Kelly. You are listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll take more of your calls coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. Learning something new every day. On the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit of a fanboy of Brian Kilmeade. I, I really like the Brian Kilmeade Show, and I like I really like Brian Kilmeade. He is uh, he's a good guy. He, he is the exact same person that you hear on the radio uh, in person. He is the exact same person you see on TV in person. He is just a, an upstanding, outstanding, just a really nice guy, and I've been able to spend time with him, and it's, just, it's always been enjoyable. Uh, so know that about Brian Kilmeade. And Brian's team, uh, Eric, Pete, and Allison, are, are truly world class and uh, i love those guys they do a phenomenal job so thank you so much to eric pete and allison uh not necessarily in that order but not not necessarily in that order if that makes any sense at all all right my name is joe kelly by the way bk brian kilmeade is going to be back tomorrow i know you're looking forward to that and i am too let's go to james who's joining us in virginia and james you wanted to talk about the the women's world cup team hi james Hello, sir. How are you? And thank you for doing such a wonderful job, Mr. Kelly. Thanks, bud. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, I own a small business, and uh, and I want to say that, you know, people that wear my shirt, we want them to represent us. And the same with the U.S. Uh, women. Uh, I'd rather have women that would sign a contract to say that they would be uh, proper representation of the, the country that they're playing for uh, and, and have a little bit of some patriotic spirit. Uh, it's hard to watch when the first few few minutes of any of the introduction is them sort of not really respecting the opportunity that they've been given to represent the United States. And that's exactly my thoughts there, James. I, I'm not a big soccer fan anyway. I mean, that's that's really Brian Kilmeade's uh, realm. Uh, he He's a big-time soccer guy. So I, I probably wouldn't watch a whole lot of the soccer games anyway. But I would certainly have a sense of pride in an American team if they acted in a prideful manner. 
And it is it is so disappointing and disenchanting. And and honestly, you know, when we see this sideline protests, be it the NFL or Major League Baseball or anybody else, if they're doing it here in the United States, that's one thing. But when you take our problems, our American strife, our American culture wars, and you take it overseas, uh, th- th- that to me is unacceptable. I, I keep keep the domestic battles here at home. But when you're overseas representing all 330 some odd million American citizens, please represent us well. And James, they're just doing a lousy job at that. Yes, sir. Yeah, as a father of, of two daughters and a, 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 a uncle to two others, uh, I, I look up to those ladies for inspiration for our, all of our girls. And I just wish maybe they would appreciate the uh, the opportunity they've been given. I don't yeah. think, you know, a lot of other places. But thank you, Mr. Kelly, for everything you do. And uh, we certainly appreciate you. Great call, James. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're listening there in Virginia. Let's go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Leon is joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Leon. Yes, good morning. Thanks for accepting my call. Just yes, want to sir. talk a little bit about Trump and DeSantis. Um, as you probably know, uh, Oklahoma is uh, the reddest state. In the yes, United it is. States. Yes, it I is. Voted, I voted for Trump twice. I will not vote for him again. I think he is a he's a crook, and he's. Uh, he just doesn't uh, respect the uh, the United States and the populace the way he should. Um, I, I just I cannot and I will not vote for him again. Okay, but let me ask: if if he is the Republican Party nominee, you're telling me that you are not going to vote for for Donald Trump? That's that's right. I'd hate to say that I would vote Democratic in a presidential election. I don't think Biden will be the Democratic candidate. I think even the party realizes right now, and even more so in another year or so, that he's too old and too feeble and his mind's not where it needs to be. Um, So I don't think he's going to be the Democratic uh, candidate. But uh, I will not vote for Trump again. He is absolutely uh, in the – in the dumper, as far as I'm concerned. Are, are you more inclined to stay home and just not vote at all or not vote in the presidential election? Or w- would you cross over and vote for a Democrat? I will cross over. I think Trump is that poor of a choice. And I hope Republicans wake up. There's a lot of a lot of press, the media, about how no matter what Trump does and every time he does something or another indictment comes out, that it just strengthens his position. And all these people that voted for him before, even though they don't like him as a candidate now, will vote for him again. I can tell you for sure I will not be, and I know lots of Republican friends of mine who categorically will not vote for Trump in the next election period. Well, that's that's so interesting, and because I would say I will not vote for Donald Trump in the next election period as well, but the next election is the primary. And in the primary, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump, but in the general election – uh, that is quite a bold move on your behalf. I mean, that that is quite a statement against Donald Trump that you're not just going to stay home, but you're going to go vote for a Democrat, uh, someone who theoretically has polar opposite ideological beliefs uh, to, to, to what you have. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of truth in what you just said, absolutely, because this what people believe is really important. Um, and I probably should have said Instead of the next election, I would probably say I will not vote for Trump in any election. Mm. 
uh, that would put him into office. Wow, very good. Leon, I'm so glad you called. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show out there in Oklahoma. Let's go to uh, Mary in Houston, Texas. Mary, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Joe Kelly. Well, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Kelly. I uh, definitely disagree with your most recent caller. I do agree with the previous four callers. I think President Trump should be elected because he cannot be bought. He loves America. I have not heard any of the other candidates say that they love America. He represents all Americans and did a fantastic job for all Americans during his first presidency. See, I feel I feel like you you could say that about any of the GOP candidates. I mean, there's not a GOP candidate that doesn't love America. Well, they don't express it like he does. And uh, the donors, the big donors, the elite people and the campaign directors, they're the ones that are running most of the candidates. Mary, thank you so much for your call and for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You'll find me online at Talk Radio Joe. Brian is back tomorrow. Make an appointment to join Brian Kilmeade tomorrow here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.